Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Shot Callers presented by 48 Minutes. We're still in team preview season. This is our very last episode. We're going to be doing the Detroit Pistons with our buddy Lazarus Jackson from Detroit Bad Boys. He also does the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and he is the official dean of Detroit Bad Boys Twitter, self-proclaimed. So this is a really fun one. We're excited about it. But first, our friends, state champs. All right, and I'm joined today uh, with Lazarus Jackson. He's an editor at Detroit Bad Boys. How are you doing today, Lazarus? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. This was this was the episode I was looking forward to most, which uh, might sound a little weird for just a, an overall NBA podcast. It's not Detroit-based, but I myself am Detroit-based. Are you? Do you live in Detroit now? I, I'm from Michigan. I no longer live in Detroit, but uh, I remain a fan of the Pistons, watch them pretty closely and everything. And so, uh, you know, between that and the website, I consider myself like up to speed on what's going on. Yeah. What what part of Michigan? Uh, Redford. So just north of Dearborn, just west of Detroit. Yeah. Right know. on. I, yeah, I'm familiar. I, uh, I went to Livonia High School for a little bit. Oh, cool. Uh, you know my, mom, my mom taught at Livonia High for a little bit. Oh no way! Which which yeah. one? Uh, the the you know? the red and white one, not the blue and white one. Okay, right on. Yeah, I think that's where I went. Churchill, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm from Five Mile, so um, sometimes Ben on our show will call me Five Mile Kyle. That's where I got my nicknames from growing up <laughs> on Five Mile. So I like that. Um, that's pretty, how that's long? Pretty good. <laughs> it's it's honestly a pretty decent nickname for not having to try uh, or not having to do anything to earn it. Uh, how long have you been a fan of? Uh, Pistons? Uh, it's been a, a long time. Um, my my earliest uh, memory of the Pistons is uh, like Terry Mills like missing a, a game winner against the Hawks and I pretty much na- I like I have zero clue like when that actually happened but like I've narrowed it down <laughs> to like somewhere in, in like 1995 or 1996 so then since I was like five or six years old which is crazy to think about. Yeah yeah right on. Um well, we had fun there for like a few years. Um, it's been rough since, but we had a we had a good run there in the early two thousands, early to mid two thousands. Um, we've been a little punished since, but but you're working with Detroit Bad Boys. Uh, tell us a little bit about Detroit Bad Boys. I know I follow it. Uh, I've been following it before I even got to forty eight minutes. Um, but just kind of tell us what it's about. Sure, it's the SB Nation uh, fan site for the Detroit Pistons. Um, for my money, it's the best of the, I would say, like three or four uh, Detroit Pistons fan sites out there. No no shade to any of the other guys who uh, I talk to a lot on Twitter and, and have a lot of respect for. Um, but, I, you know, I think our site's the best because, you know, uh, we, we work with the best and we have the best guys. No, uh, again, no shade. But, like, you know, it is what it is at this point. But, um it's a it's a one-stop shop for Pistons needs. You've got um, really a high-level analysis from guys like Mike Snyder and, and Steve Henson. 
You've got some like funny, irreverent stuff from Chris Daniels every now and again. You get uh, draft coverage from Ryan Provado and my boy David Fernandez. Um, Sean Cor is uh, the main editor. He kind of ties everything together, keeps us on our toes. And uh, we recently brought in uh, Brady Fredrickson from uh, Pistons Powered. I'm excited to see what, what he has to offer this offseason. And, you know, I host the podcast, which comes out uh, weekly for now. It's been coming out twice a week in advance of the season just because I've been doing uh, Eastern Conference team previews, and that's been a lot of fun. I've been and really enjoying getting to talk to fans of, uh, of other Eastern Conference teams around the league, um, guys who you, you know how it is. You see people on Twitter. But it's a, it's an entirely different thing to uh, to get down in a uh, in a room, as it were, and, and talk to them. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I really think uh, you and your your fans would enjoy Detroit Bad Boys if if they're listening to this podcast and, and fans of the Pistons definitely give us a try. No, I, I totally agree with that. You know, I'll I'll go over to the other websites, and like you said, no disrespect. Um, there's definitely nothing wrong with any of them. I think they all put out good content. Um, I've just always thought of you guys as kind of the go-to, so uh, I was stoked when we got when we got you from them. So, um, but yeah, we've been doing team previews as well. Uh, we've been doing every team in the league. We have recorded everyone except for this one, so Ooh. saved the best for last. Um, Thank you. Oh, you, yeah. you don't need no, to. Ooh. I, oh no, it's no, a I'm good doing, thing. <laughs> no, ooh, I'm ooing because doing my own team previews. I'm only doing the Eastern Conference, and like that has been super draining. So like I can't imagine doing like 15 more teams on top of that. <laughs> no, it's it's been a it's totally been like a a passion project, uh, and we're ready to to champagne and campaign a little bit once we're done, uh, and just kind of celebrate because it's it's been a thing for sure. But it's been fun. Mm. It's been fun, uh, and I'm ready to get into some Pistons. So last year, finished ninth in the Eastern Conference, which they don't have a ninth seed in the playoffs, so we just barely missed it by four games. Um, we started off pretty well. Played, played pretty poorly on the road there for a while. I know through like December to February, we lost 15 to 18 road games. What was your overall vibe or thoughts from last season? So the way I've described this past season has been like as a roller coaster. So you have the the 14 and six start, um, and that's with like uh, Santa Dre just like passing out backdoor cuts to everybody. That's like the win over Boston, the win over Golden State, the win over the Clippers uh, with Blake Griffin, um, a win over Oklahoma City thrown in there. Like they they seem to be like a very good. Uh, maybe not like top of the Eastern Conference, but like top half of the Eastern Conference team. And then they lost seven games in a row to start December. Uh, they played, I believe, seven. They played six games uh, in a row against playoff future playoff teams, and then they played against Denver, uh, which was like as close of a playoff team last year as you're going to get. And so like that was like, okay, maybe they're not top four in the East. Maybe they're like a solid, uh, still like, you know, top six, seventh or eighth. And then uh, Reggie got hurt, or no, no, they, they went 6-2 and two to end December. Um, so they, like, they showed that they could bounce back from the seven losses in a row. But Reggie obviously got hurt the, the day after Christmas, and then it was just like a tailspin. They went 3-11 uh, and 11 in the whole month of January, and like, I think that was, that was really the stretch when, when the season was over. Uh, like you said, they missed the playoffs by four games. Um, if you go like seven and seven instead of thirteen and three and or three and eleven during that stretch, you like probably are in a much better position to fight for the playoffs. 
but they just like couldn't put anything together without Reggie Jackson before Blake Griffin got there. Uh, obviously, in in February, early February, they made the Blake Griffin trade. They went five and three before the All Star break, and then they went three and ten uh, after the All Star break. Um, Reggie came. They were, I think, expecting him to come back a little bit sooner than he did. Um, and when he did, obviously, they went uh, six and two. Uh, then they got eliminated, and they, and they shut Blake Griffin down, and they went two and two to finish the regular season. And so, like, there really is just the story of the Pistons uh, with Reggie Jackson, twenty-seven and eighteen. It's a forty-nine win pace, maybe like a fifty-win team that would have been, I think, good for fourth place in the East last year. The yeah, the Sixers uh, were were third, if I remember correctly, and they were a fifty-two yeah. win team. And uh, after the they went on went, that tear at the end. Yeah, exactly. And the Pistons went uh, 12 and 25 without Reggie. I haven't counted that out, but that that's bad. That's like a 20, 29, <laughs> 28 win piece pace. That's yeah. not very good. And so, like, just just the 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 roller coaster, the 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 ride of emotions that like last season was for for this Pistons team. I think they're hoping for a little bit more stability um, from their core guys uh, to to play, you know, an, an acceptable number of games. And when those guys go down, I think they're looking for more consistency um, from the backups up and down the roster. Yeah, it was a little heartbreaking with all the ups and downs, like you said. There were times where I thought, like, oh, we're definitely a playoff team. And again, like you said, I thought we were, like, maybe pegged to be a fifth seed, at the, like, at the beginning of the year. Um, and then it just slowly kept dropping down from, like, five to six to seven to eight you know what I mean and I just felt like yeah if if we would have stayed a little healthier um I don't know I, I thought we had at least a shot but it didn't go well uh and we ended up firing Stan Van Gundy he was the president of basketball ops uh and the head coach after four years that seems to never go well giving <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of watching that now uh giving someone the power of president of basketball ops and head coach at the same time Uh, i'd be shocked if they do that again like ever um see i i think that can i think it can work definitely it just requires like a very a very special uh basketball mind and that's not to say that stan van gundy is not a obviously like a very special uh basketball mind because he's been a successful professional head coach for for quite some time now but uh i think it requires you to be able to uh, see in the in in the present and the future, and Stan Van Gundy was I think better than he gets credit for for seeing the future, but uh, not very good at, at coaching in in the present. Um, I think that that'll be like the 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 thing that's on his tombstone, his Pistons tombstone. <laughs> yeah, why do you think that he he wasn't great? He had that what he called the motion offense that was just kind of like having. You know, what I mean, as many players touch the ball as possible. That was kind of his his style uh, per se. Uh, but he only won forty six percent of the games with the Pistons. You know, in his experience, he had uh, he had what Dwight Howard, which he was successful with, and uh, I'm trying to think who else he had. He had like he Hidu Turkoglu and like Richard okay. Lewis and those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. I, I, I've seen him have success with, like, Dwight Howard, and I'm not saying that – Dwight Howard, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, and I'm not saying that Andre Drummond is Dwight Howard, but I thought that he'd be able to work with him really well. And Dwight Howard had a really successful season, but it just didn't translate to 
the Pistons winning a bunch. Why do you think that Van Gundy wasn't more successful with the Pistons? So I think it was he did not put key players uh, around Andre Drummond in position to succeed. And I think that's half of it. And the other half is is Reggie Jackson uh, getting hurt in, in two straight seasons after he signed him to a five-year, $80 million deal. And so, like, it's it's rough for any team to survive extended time without their starting point guard. But uh, Van Gundy's teams looked uh, particularly unprepared for for that eventuality. Um, at when he first came into to Detroit, he ran like there was a a ton of like one five pick and rolls and just like shooting around that. And you can't run that system, you know, if Reggie Jackson um, isn't isn't playing. And so I thought there was a there was a heavy reliance on Ish Smith to be a a a player that he's not capable of being. And like again, no shade to Ish, but like he he's a backup point guard like for a reason. Like he's a very good backup point guard, but anytime he was asked to start. Um, the the ability to get out in transition and like the explosiveness off the dribble that he shows as a backup is maybe because he's like preserving energy because he has to play more minutes or maybe it's just because like the the starters don't run as much with the bench or teams are are scheming against you a little bit more when you're a starter but he just like never was as effective as as he was uh, as a bench guy and Stan did a really poor job I think of. Uh, bringing in like third point guards as as Reggie as Reggie Jackson insurance um the year they made the playoffs it was like Steve Blake was was the third string point guard and saw a lot of minutes and it was like oh god that that's not that's not where we want to be um the the year after that it was who man it was Ish and like uh it was Ish and uh Beno oh Udre Beno Udre right <laughs> Like that's Beno a, was, yeah, it's like he's a, <laughs> he's a perfectly adequate like fourth string point guard. But like, if you know Reggie Jackson, like might miss another like thirty games, like maybe sign a better backup point guard. And then yeah. like this past season, uh, they brought in Langston Galloway ostensibly to be like their third string point guard. And then Stan tried Langston at point guard like for a game and a half. Langston like turned the ball over a couple times and Stan was like, Nope, you're done. Like I'm I'm never playing you again and kinda of wrecked that uh relationship or it wrecked his confidence and wrecked his play. And so like uh and the way he handled Stanley Johnson, uh Stanley Johnson is like all but done like a celebratory like rain dance since Stan Van Gundy has been fired. I don't know if you've noticed, but like he's been talking up Dwayne Casey and talking up uh you know, coaches uh, taking away confidence from their players and stuff. And I, I can't blame him. Like, Stan played him out of position. <laughs> he played him at shooting guard when, like, clearly this guy's strength Stop. is not shooting. <laughs> it was like he made him the, the fifth option on offense. He told him, like, you go, go stand in the corner and make corner threes. And, like, that's not – that's, like, that's what you want, like, a small forward to be able to do. But, like, that's not Stanley Johnson's game, right? Like, he's a, he's a creator. He's a slasher. Uh, he he does best with like with the ball in his hands, and he never got it because he was with five starters who like also need also do they're more effective than him with the ball in their hands, and so like just you know he he didn't put uh, he didn't put every player on the roster in the best position to succeed. Like some guys he did he did a great job with I think he did a really great job with Andre Drummond finally getting him to buy in defensively, um, figuring out like ways to use him offensively and keep him engaged. Because Andre seems to be better, uh, he seems to be better defensively when he's engaged offensively, 
and I think that's something that Dwayne Casey will continue. Um, he did a really good job of accentuating Tobias Harris's uh, positives. Um, when when Marcus Morris was in town, he did a really good job of utilizing Marcus Marcus Morris' uh, offensive skill set. And so, like, he, he did a good job of putting some guys in position is, to succeed, but not all guys in position to succeed. And I think that that's why, ultimately, uh, he didn't have as much success in Detroit as he would have liked, or we would have liked, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and you talked about some people already being excited for Dwayne Casey, um, Stanley Johnson specifically. I know I'm also on that train of being excited about him. Uh, he won Coach of the Year last year, which was kind of a weird – I don't, I don't know. Like, he <laughs> won it, got fired. Um, that was all within, like, a couple days, so that was kind of weird. Uh, but I think the expectations for Dwayne Casey are a little higher than they were for Van Gundy uh, since he got the coach of the year. What What are you expecting to see from Casey this year? So I think what I'm expecting to see from Casey is the is something very similar to what I was expecting from Dan, Van Gundy which is just like uh, be the coach of a team that consistently makes the playoffs, right? Be I'm expecting Case right. to be a little bit more creative offensively. I'm expecting him to do a better job of putting guys in position to succeed, uh, like I think was Van Gundy's failure. Um, he's already done some interesting things in, in training camp. Uh, we got a report that he was playing like some Stanley Johnson at center lineups. And like I don't think that's like a good what long term the? idea, but like that's that's cool <laughs> that he's trying it, right? Like Stan Van Gundy would never ever try Stanley Johnson at five, right? Like that's just something he wouldn't conceive of. And so like I'm I'm glad we have a, a more creative, uh, more player friendly coach. That's another thing that's come up a bunch during training camp. All the guys, uh, all the players on the team seem to really love uh, Dwayne Casey and and. Casey has made a point of taking the time to reach out and communicate with them on, on a level that, that they appreciate. And so I think that that's also like a, an interesting change of pace from Stan Van Gundy, who uh, was nobody's idea of like a super approachable uh, coach. I think, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I would say that's definitely fair to say. It's, it does seem like Dwayne Casey is a player's coach. Uh, it'll be exciting to see kind of how the team gels around him and how he puts these rotations out. When he was in Toronto, they went 11 deep or so, uh, at least 10 deep, like, and good 10 deep. Uh, so, really, I get I get a little concerned when I look at our guard rotation. Why? Uh, we have so many. That's why I get. That's why I get so concerned. Um, I def. I don't think there's a lack of people. Like I don't think there's a lack of people or a lack of depth. Let me let me say that. I think that there's a lack of minutes. I'll say. Um, I just don't know. Like okay, so so looking at guards, right? Reggie Jackson. Over the last two years, he missed forty percent of the games, and he only plays about twenty-seven minutes a game. So I don't expect him to like take all the minutes from point guard, he's going to, he's going to get hurt and miss something. I, you know, uh, hopefully he doesn't, but it's going to happen. So Ish Smith will be the immediate backup. And then Calderon and Jameer Nelson. Does Jameer Nelson ever going to suit up? Jameer this Nelson's year? not on the roster. So I, oh, hope okay. to God, I hope to God, I never good. see Jameer Nelson play point guard for the Detroit Pistons ever again. Good. Okay, awful. good. Well, that's a blessing. Yeah. That is a blessing there. So, so I think, so you think it'll go three deep then? So I think, if Reggie goes down, 
Casey has already kind of like made uh, a point to emphasize that Ish Smith is at his best as a backup. And that's that's a point I agree with. But that also means that like if Reggie goes down, I think you might see like Jose Calderon start for the Pistons. But like you mentioned, like Reggie doesn't play like 35 minutes a night or anything crazy like that. So if you see Jose Calderon start, but like only play 20 minutes a game, and then they do some like other weird uh, point guard list lineups, like maybe some maybe Luke plays some point guard, Luke Kennard. Um, maybe you see Stanley Johnson as like the primary ball handler in some lineups. Maybe you see uh, Langston Galloway get another shot at, at, at you know backup uh, third string point guard. And so I think they're because they have so many options. I think Casey has. Uh, in case he's a little bit more flexible than Stan Van Gundy was, I think you'll see him try more things, right? Yeah, and okay, that makes sense. So, the, so then when we get to the two guard, um, and we know that basketball is uh, quote unquote positionless. That seems to be what everyone says in like every conversation now, um, and I I do agree to some point, but also like there are still guards and wings and bigs. I think so. Yeah. Um, there's going to be usually two guards on the floor at a time. We drafted a couple guards in the last few years. We've drafted uh, Kennard, of course, um, Bruce Brown, and then Kyrie Thomas is kind of like a guard-wing combo. Um, so, I mean, how much playing time are the, the young guys going to get? So I think – so I want to break this down into guys I think will get playing time and guys I think won't get any playing time. And if if Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown get any playing time, like consistent playing time this year, that means either they are they are like way ahead of schedule and, and way better than than Pistons fans have any right to expect, or something has gone like horribly horribly wrong, <laughs> right? Like really good or really bad is the right. only situation we see. Is, okay, this is the only two, <laughs> and and then Luke Kennard, like Luke is obviously going to be a very big part of the Pistons in the rotation. I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know if it's best for him to start, but I do know that whenever he's on the court, um, the offense needs to at least partially like flow through him. He is a, he's an excellent shooter. Uh, He is a, a adequate ball handler. That's something I'd like to see him improve in, but I think that's something he can get away with, uh, especially against bench lineups. He is uh, underrated, I think as a passer, um, he just has a very good sense of like where the other nine guys are on the court. Um, there was an article by Mike Snyder just showing like all the all the common like hit ahead passes Luke would make, or he'd make like the pass that set up the pass for somebody else to get the assist. Like he just sees the floor really well, and so I hope that when he's on the court, the, the ball is in his hands and he's given the opportunity to to utilize like all of his skills. And so, like, I think Luke in particular, like, has a really big role to play on this team. Yeah, and I would be excited to see him play a big role. Um, yeah. I mean, and there's one guy you left out. I think I think Reggie Bullock. Is Reggie the, Bullock, right. He's, I think he's a starting two guard. Right, right, right. So that's where I'm like, so are we just going to send Kyrie and Bruce Brown uh, basically to, like, the G League for the year? Is that no, kind of the... That would be my expectation, yeah. Okay, that's fine, and that's fine. I mean, like, um, they're, they're I really talking like about those Bruce draft Brown. Me, yeah, me too. They're talking about Bruce Brown playing point guard, right? And that's a position that I don't know if he's ready to play at the NBA level, but he played a little bit of that in college. And like, I definitely think if you give him a full year of playing point guard in the G League, I, like, I'm very excited to see what comes of that. But like, 
that's the G League, and it, it won't be here. And some fans will have a lot of interest in that, and some fans, uh, frankly, like don't uh, care about the G League as much as they should. And so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think the G League is a little more important than um, it's at least perceived. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, So Kyrie Thomas, I thought he was a bit of a steal. I had him... Uh, not graded, but, you know, when we did, like, a mock draft, I had him going at the end of the first round. Um, so when I heard that the Pistons uh, traded and were able to get him in the second round, I was pretty excited. Uh, really good defensive player. He was a two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, just a 3 and D guy. He's not anyone that's going to, like, be the best guy on the floor, but he's definitely um, going to hold his own. Um out of Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, which one are you more excited of as far as prospects? So I am more excited about Bruce Brown because oh, I do wow. think he has okay. because I do think he has the potential to be a primary ball handler and be like a primary shot creator for himself and others. And yeah, that's more of a combo be, guard for sure. Yeah, that's that's something that'd be really important for this Pistons team uh, now and moving forward. But that's not to say like I dislike Kyrie Thomas. I just no, have no, no. like less of a sense of what his like ceiling outcome is right like if Kyrie Thomas ends up being like a lesser version of uh like an Avery Bradley I think that's a good outcome for him I think, absolutely yeah I think that's but, a really good comp yeah but uh like uh, I don't know how valuable a guy like that is for uh this team as currently constructed like there's yeah. there are a lot of guys like ahead of him on the depth chart that might not be the case next year um that might not be the case uh, like two years down the road when Langston Galloway's contract expires. But like in my mind, like Luke Kennard is a better player than him and will stay a better player than him. And so like, I don't ever know if there's a point where like Kyrie Thomas is like the starting small shooting guard, like for this team, you know? And I do no, think, I, I agree. I do think like there could come, I don't know if this like is going to happen, but I do think there could be a time where Bruce Brown is like the starting point guard on the Pistons. Like that's not, I don't think that's super likely, and I don't think that um, that would happen like this season or, or next season or anything like that. But he has the he has the physical size and the mental makeup that you look for in a lead guard. And so, like, if he hits his ceiling outcome, like he could absolutely be a starter. And and so that that to me is a little bit more exciting than than Kyrie Thomas's ceiling outcome. Yeah, uh, that'll be exciting to see. Uh, I'm curious. Do you think Reggie Jackson could play off the ball at all? You talked about. Luke Kennard handling the ball a little bit is that while Reggie Jackson's in the game is he I don't want to say useful I mean he's a professional basketball player he's useful but I mean can he really contribute without the ball in his hand so I remember this is something that like Stan Van Gundy said uh back in the day Reggie Jackson is like a very good catch and shoot three-point shooter but you rarely see that aspect of him of his game because he has the ball in his hands so much I think that when Reggie Jackson is on the floor with Blake Griffin, you might see him be a little bit more active off ball. Blake likes to post up at the elbow or uh, get the ball in the left block. And I think you'll see uh, a lot of open perimeter shots come from Reggie out of that. And I think he'll be able to knock those down. But um, I, th- I think that Reggie is at his best with the ball in his hands. And, but I, don't, I think he can still be somewhat effective off ball. But uh, if you're asking, like, is there ever, like, a, a 
two point guard lineup with like him and like Bruce Brown or him and Ish Smith, um, like right. maybe. But like even then, like I would prefer if it's like him and Ish Smith on the court together. Like I would prefer he have the ball rather than like Ish. And but then like Ish Ish isn't a three a threat to space the floor. So like those two guys shouldn't be on the court together at all in my mind anyway, right? And so right. And if you have him on the court with Luke, uh, like Luke is a guy I think he should he should have the ball in his hands like more. But I think at that point you're you're taking it like out of the front court's hands, not necessarily out of like Reggie Jackson's hands. Yeah, and this that's, is this is part that's, of the reason why I think Luke should come off the bench, right? Like Luke should, if Luke is going to absorb okay. the uh, the level of offense, I'd like to see him absorb. He won't he won't get that playing next to Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin. Just to be perfectly honest. No, and that, and that's fine. I think um, he'd be good off the bench. I mean, I think he's the, the best shooter on the team. I feel confident saying that, especially yeah, with us not having Tolliver anymore. Um, so I wouldn't mind him coming off the bench at all. I do think that Blake Griffin will bring the ball up. Um, still uh, a decent amount. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I think that the Pistons looked really good last season when Blake was enabled to, like, grab and go, get the rebound on the defensive end and just kind of, like, lead the break. That was when I think you saw a lot of the chemistry and potential between, like, a Blake Griffin-Andre Drummond uh, pick and roll or, like, a Blake Griffin-Andre Drummond, like, transition play. Um, so I think he should definitely be like allowed to do that. Um, if he wants to bring up the ball in the half court, I'm fine with that uh, every now and again, especially in uh, lineups that like are a bit more bench centric, right? Like that's that's where I think you put like Luke Kennard at point guard, right? But Luke Kennard at point guard and like Blake Griffin's on the court and like Blake brings the ball up, but like Luke can also handle the ball a little bit. And then like there's a lot of shooting surrounding those two guys. And then, like, and then you're in a good spot, right? Um, I like that. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, as he – but, like, there's also the potential for him to bring the ball up when, like, Ish Smith and Stanley Johnson are on the floor and, like, there's not as much spacing and it's not as successful offensively. You know, that's probably, pretty good. That's probably a half-decent defensive lineup, but not just not as good offensively. And so I think, as always, like, context is important. With, with Blake Griffin and, and the players you, you surround him with. And so there's definitely, like, room for him to to be a, a point forward. But uh, I don't want to lean too much on that um, because I don't know if that's good for, for Blake's health, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and I also worry with his decision-making a little bit, having the ball in his hand that much. Uh, during his time in L.A., he, ha- he averaged less than one three-point attempt per game. When he came to Detroit, he was averaging over five threes a game, um, which is... And shooting 35%. Yeah, which, like, he just doesn't need to shoot five threes a game. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, totally uh, cool with two or three. I don't, I don't know. If he, what if are your he thoughts? Can, if he can bump that to, like, 36 37%, I'm totally fine with him shooting five threes a game, right? Like Yeah, yeah but he also... But, he, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you go you you want him to shoot five threes a game, but you also want him to cut out like all of the twenty footers, right? You want him to cut out the the seventeen footers he takes off the short roll with with Reggie Jackson, right? You want him yeah, that's a good point to have the 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 shot distribution like at the rim in the paint and from three, right? Like that that's what you want. And so uh, if he's taking five threes a game and attacking the rim, like I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with are like infinite 
post-ups on the left block that like all turn into uh, like turn around 17 footers. Like he's not LaMarcus Aldridge and he shouldn't try and play like that, you know? <laughs> right. He, uh, last year he did post his lowest efficiency numbers in his career. Um, and I do attribute some of it to the three points, to the three point attempts. But I do also think that he was taking a lot of long twos, which is like the bane of my existence. Yeah. We just did a Kings podcast and I was like, what is wrong with this team? And he's like, we just take long twos. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is horrible. Yeah, that, uh, yeah that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at uh, Blake's, Blake's synergy numbers as a pick and as a, as the role man in a pick and roll scenario in Detroit, were like not pretty at all. And so like you hope yeah. those numbers improve or you hope that like when he's like sucking in a defense uh, off the roll, he's like able to pass it out to open shooters who can convert instead of like shooting 17 footers again. Yeah. Yeah. So so here's my thing with Blake. He he was a top 10 to 20 player in the league. I mean, he was literally second team All NBA, so like that would and like, put him and like third in MVP voting. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know what I mean? Like he's he's been that. Um, he's been third team All NBA also. So like, it's not like my rankings. You know what I mean? Or like anything like that. I mean, like literally, he was voted that. Um, I mean, he's had really good flashes, like you said, MVP, third in MVP uh, last year. There was there was a stat which was you know just enough to make. Detroit fans hopeful for no reason that he was one of the four players to finish with 20 points, seven boards and five assists. And the other three were Boogie Westbrook and LeBron. And so I'm just like, yeah, we have one of those four, (laughs) which is just like optimism. I don't need to have. Um, (laughs) But do you think that Blake could get back to that second team, all NBA? No, 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 no. Third team. No, that guy's gone. No, okay. that guy's gone. Don't so, don't expect him to be <laughs> that level of player. No. So no. So what Blake Griffin is now, he is in fact a a twenty like six and six guy or a twenty like seven and five guy. Maybe is more is more hopeful. But um, and like just because he's not third team All NBA like up there with. Um, I think like Jimmy Butler made third team all NBA. Like he's not as good as Jimmy Butler, but like, that's fine. That just means instead of a top 15 to 20 player, he's like a top 30 to 35 player, right? Like it's, he's not, he hasn't fallen so far uh, off the map that like, he's like a bad player. He's just, he's just uh, worse than I think a lot of people are, are looking at for his contract. But I mean, we can we can talk about I can talk about his contract uh, a little bit later. But like when he's on the court, the the Pistons are a better team. Um, the oh, Pistons sure. the Pistons have not had a guy who can a, absorb as much usage as Blake can absorb and have that much production with like relative efficiency, which is what Blake Griffin does. Uh, he's a much better passer than I think he gets credit for. He had like an assist rate in the 30s last season, which is unheard of for a guy at power forward or center, unless your name is Nikola Jokic, right? Like, he is a very, very effective offensive player. Um, he's not, because he's lost a step athletically, and because he was never, like, a huge shot blocker or steal guy, he uh, definitely, like, has some deficiencies on, on defense. He definitely uh, occasionally just kind of, like, checks out on D, and, like, that was frustrating as a Pistons fan to watch that at times. 
But again, like when was the last time the Pistons had a top 30 player or a person you could consider like a top 35 player? It's been a while. It's been a really long time. Uh, I when, yeah. when they traded for him, uh, Keith Langlois, the, uh, the Pistons.com writer, noted that the Pistons' last uh, 20 point per game score was like Rip Hamilton in like 2009 or something. It's like, it's, yeah, exactly. Like, it's been a long ass time since the Pistons have had like somebody who was like top 30 in offense. And, and now they have that guy. And so I think and that he's definitely, oh, go ahead. No, expecting him to be like, third in MVP voting, like, third team or second team All-NBA <laughs> guy, like, is is not going to happen. But, like, that doesn't mean he's not good, right? Like, that's that's my whole point, yeah. Blake Griffin. Yeah, and, and like you were saying, he's, like, the best we've had since, like, maybe Rip or Ben or Chauncey or maybe Rasheed. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of era. Yeah. We did have Allen Iverson for, like, 50 games back uh, in 08, which is still weird to think about. Yeah, um, I don't know what I would think if I saw someone in just like an Allen Iverson Detroit jersey. Maybe like that, that, that almost like, looks custom made, right? Like the that like the the Chris <laughs> Webber Pistons jersey. It's like whoa, you are like a fan. Oh man, are you a Michigan fan or a state nah, fan? I'm a state fan. I graduated from state. Okay, me too. I got a Jalen Rose tattoo today, and I don't like Michigan, but I really like Jalen Rose. Did you lose a bet? And I was about to say, like, you got to explain that one. No, I t- <laughs> so I tweeted at him and I said, if I get a tattoo of you, can I be on the pod? Can I get you on the podcast? And he said, yeah. So I got oh. a tattoo of him. All right. I yeah, I have a bunch. I have a bunch, so it like doesn't like stick out as like just one random. Tattoo. Okay, that, may, that uh, makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, okay. it, it makes it better. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. Uh, do you think Andre Drummond has potential to be like a top twenty player? Because um, I'm like all in on Drummond. See, that's a harder question because I'm also like all in on Drummond, but with the way basketball is played in 2018, it's really difficult to be a top 20 player as a big man. Like, uh, right. I, like I'm thinking of like the, the SI top 100 that came out this, this summer and like Joel Embiid was like ninth and Joel Embiid is like quite literally an MVP candidate. Um, like second in defensive player of the year, like insanely efficient offensively, um, three levels score, like gets fouled all the time. And, uh, and like Rudy Gobert was like 14th or something. And Rudy Gobert is like the best defensive big man in the league. And like a, maybe like a net neutral offensively. And like Andre is very clearly like not as good as either of those guys. And like, I don't know if he ever gets to, and the way he gets to that level is defensively, but, uh, I don't know if he ever, uh, has the like aptitude to do that. That's not to say like he's a, he's a bad defender. He made very great strides last year as a defender just by like being more attentive and uh, like being like being more aware of like what was going on on the court for like 80% of the time instead of like 60% of the time. So like that, (laughs) (laughs) that was good to see. Uh, You'd hope that'd be like 95% of the time, but like it is what it is with Andre. And so like, He's trying to get there by, like, shooting threes. I don't know if that's the – I, like, I, I see it. Like, I get what he's going for. I don't know if it works or not. That remains to be seen. I've, and I've, I'm a sucker for, like, all those videos. Any video online of, like, him shooting a few threes, I'm, like, tagging my friends in it. Like, 
Like, check this out. Pistons yeah. are going to win, like, 300 games this year. I Andre Drummond, MVP. <laughs> like <laughs> Nothing has, like, nothing this summer has, like, roiled the Detroit Bad Boys uh, comment section as much as, like, Andre Drummond, like, shooting threes. Like, some people, some people hate it just to, like, their very core, like, not only because because Andre is like a low true shooting percentage, they're like not only is he gonna like continue to have like sh- be a poor shooter, but like now he's gonna shoot threes and those are like anytime he shoots a three, it's just like a completely wasted possession. And then you have uh, guys like me who are uh, a little bit more like, like okay, like he's trying, he's a big man in 2018, he's trying to diversify his game, um, he's making them in these workouts. Casey, who is in fact the head coach. And like presumably would put the kibosh on it if he thought it was really dumb, is is going is like willing to let him try. Um, Jonas Valanciunas hit uh, like forty threes last year. Like why? Sure. Like why not? Right? Like, <laughs> why not? Basically. And then you have some people who are like, hell yeah, man, Andre's gonna make like two hundred threes next year. It's gonna be great. Like he's gonna average twenty five <laughs> points a game. It's like okay, you guys need to like chill out. Like just just chill. Like that's there's not gotta happen. be some common ground. There's right. gotta be some middle ground between <laughs> never shoot between Ben Simmons and like Steph, Steph Curry, Curry, right? right. Like seven <laughs> foot got, Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> there's gotta be a middle ground here. So my favorite my favorite thing when talking about Andre Drummond is he, I don't know, like, you ever go on basketballreference.com? Yeah. So I use, I use Synergy as well, like, for, like, really advanced stats. Um, basketball reference is, like, my quick go-to one. I don't know who runs Basketball Reference, but they are Andre Drummond stands. They absolutely love this guy. Oh, yeah. All their, <laughs> all their like, internal defensive <laughs> metrics are... Uh, Dude, he is the best. He is the MVP of the league looking at it. Let me, <laughs> let me just wrap... Let me, let me read some of these. Uh, this is basketballreference.com. This is 2017 Andre Drummond, okay? Just kind of close your eyes and, and picture this MVP defensive player of the year, um, unstoppable world beater that he is, okay? So he led the league in both offensive and defensive rebounds. Number one in defensive win shares. Number one in defensive rating, higher than Gobert. Number one in defensive box, plus minus, higher than Gobert again. Top five in blocks. Top 10 in value over replacement. Top 20 in field goal percentage over Kevin Durant. Same field goal percentage as Giannis. Top 20 in player efficiency rating. <laughs> that, so, makes him so, that makes him sound so good. That makes him I sound to, so good. I'm going to no. write like a clickbait article on no, Andre we, Drummond actually We like investigated MVP. this like two years ago at Detroit Bad Boys. Because, <laughs> no, because we also saw this and we were like, what? the hell is happening because like andre is clearly not the best defensive player in the league He's, so for the record i want to i want to go out and put it on wax that i don't think andre Drummond's better at defense than rudy gobert so <laughs> yeah, don't be going out yeah, cutting this def- clip <laughs> <laughs> definitely got to like clarify that but yes. if if i remember correctly a lot of the internal uh basketball reference defensive like box plus minus stats are like heavily weighted towards defensive rebounds and Andre Drummond is like quite literally the best rebounder on the planet and so like he is going to be outstanding in those categories because of like the level of rebounder that he is and so like, do you th- think that's wrong do you think that like because right now like when we look at defensive player of the year like what's the first category you would look at first two would be like blocks and steals right 
probably or not. like like major major metrics. You know what I mean? Like the first category I look at would be like defensive rating, right? Like what's the okay, what's fair. the team defensive rating like when this guy's on the court, right? Okay, and like that that is a that's a metric that has never been great for Andre, right? Like Eric Moreland had like a better defensive rating than Andre Drummond last year, but like is Andre Drummond a better defender than Eric Moreland? Like probably yes. Um, but, like, guys like Joel Embiid, like, Joel Embiid, like, a sub-100 defensive rating, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm sure Rudy Gobert's is, like, also sub-100. And so, like, those guys, like, when they are on the floor in the regular season, teams do not put the ball in the basket against them. And, like, that seems like the, the, the best criteria for me. I mean, like, Andre Drummond's, like, really good. He's a 1.5, 1.5 steals and blocks guy. But... Uh, there are definitely times when, like, you can score on the Pistons when he's on the floor. And uh, I think that that's what, like, separates him from, from guys at that level. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I will say but on like, the other end, though. But, like, if you oh, miss, Andre's grabbing the rebound. Like, oh, that's, that's a fact. That's what you can that's say about Andre, right? Like, Take it to the bank, right. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, I will say on the other end, like, watching any clip of him driving in the lane, he's just, like, this massive hulking man. It's just like throwing his body at the rim when he like drives the dunk. It's I I'm like six foot, so I would be scared for my life watching this guy. <laughs> so like I'm, and he's only twenty five. Yeah, he's only twenty five. So Very, and he just uh, turned twenty five too. Like he turned twenty five yeah. in like August. So he did August tenth. Happy late birthday, Andre Drummond. But yeah, um, like, no, Andre Drummond is not the best defensive player in the NBA. But like, yeah, there's no I, reason I why he couldn't be if he tried to i guess i have him in my top five so we did we're doing a uh just like a massive season preview pod mm-hmm. and i have him in my top five uh for defensive player of the year so i buy he's that. my dark he's my dark horse i had when i did some like informal twitter center rankings earlier this year and like depending on how you feel about other guys i had him as like the between like the sixth and like ninth best center in the league, and I, I have I, like, him sixth. Yeah, like just, like ba- just not five, but six. Yeah. Okay. It was like, and that like sounds about right to me. Like not as good as the Embiid's and in the Go Bears, um, on the same level as like the Stephen Adams and like Clint Capella's, and like markedly better than like your. Uh, like, at this point, markedly better than, like, your Clint Capellas and, like, your Carl Anthony Towns, right? Like, uh, guys so who are... Sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't have him ahead of Carl. Um, I guess, like, right now production, you could, and that's totally fair, too. Well, like, um, I, I value... So I value defense for my centers, and Carl is a bad defensive center at this point in his career. So Jokic is not in your top five. Yeah, well, yeah, I would have I would have Andre above Jokic only because like Jokic is such like this you this Jokic is like this really unique player, beautiful passer, uh, evolved into like a great shooter, but like he does not do the things I want a center to do. And so, Dunk like, the ball. Right, Dunk like, the ball. <laughs> you know, like, be a rebounder, block some shots, like, be a good defender. Like, he doesn't do any of those things. And so it's like, I mean, like, you're obviously very good, but, like, I, like, I just I don't value what you bring to the floor as much as other people do. And so, like, I have, I have Jokic lower, I think, than a lot of other people would. And Carl is That's in fair. the same. Carl's in the same boat. Carl rebounds a little bit better, I think, but, like, still doesn't block shots, still doesn't, like, 
uh, get any steals or anything. Is is a, his team is bad when he's on the floor defensively, and so like yeah, I have to put them in the same boat. That's fair. I feel like Drummond is like a really good version of what Hassan Whiteside should have been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like so, so the I, it's like the so the guys so Andre's a fifteen and fifteen guy, right? And the guys right. who get to fifteen rebounds, like the DeAndre Jordans of the world, like those guys score like ten points a game. And the guys who score like twenty points a game, like the Joel Embiid's and and uh, the like the Boogies, like those guys grab like twelve boards a game, right? Like not and Andre is like the he's like the middling he's like a middling he's like in the middle offensively and like better on the glass than a lot of those guys, and like that's why I have him where I have him, just because he's a, he's no, a good balance of yeah. mix, yeah. I I like that too. Um, all right, so heading over to the wings real quick. Um, when we look at the wings, we're looking at Stanley Johnson. We added Glenn Robinson, uh, which is exciting. We now have two former slam dunk champions on this team. What, what? Um, Wait, who's the, so who's the is... other former slam dunk champion? Blake. Didn't Blake win it? Duncan over oh, oh, that's right. Oh, man. I, like, totally. Oh, man. Whoa. Yo, that's totally true man yeah okay Blake over the Kia yeah it was like 20 years ago see like I don't even think uh, of Blake like as that guy anymore I just like completely <laughs> forgot about that that's the old me right <laughs> uh, yeah so we have two slam dunk winners which is fun boom yeah uh, Glenn Robinson two years eight million I like it uh, he's definitely not a world beater he'll get you know some minutes solid three and D um you know, he can play the two, but I think we already went over the fact that we have a lot of depth at two. Yeah. Um, and there's other guys that can play the two. Uh, we don't have a ton of depth at wing. How do you see this whole wing rotation playing out? So, uh, I don't, anybody who has followed me on Twitter for like the last three months has seen me like slowly fall more and more in love with Glenn Robinson the third, right? Like, he does everything you want a fifth option on offense to do in for this starting lineup. And so like, I think he should start um, quite clearly. I think really? he should be the starter. Yeah. Um, I don't think Stanley Johnson's locked it down or no, like done definitely. anything that that's like, well, you think, really, you really deserve a starting job. I think if Stanley Johnson like had not been the lottery pick that he is and like, they would both like just two guys I signed in free agency, like coming off uh, the seasons that each of them had. I think that Glenn Robinson will like quite clearly be the starter, but because the team has invested a lot in Stanley and his success, it's closer than maybe it should be. But like Glenn has shot 47% from the corner three over the last two years. Um, He had, after like recovering from the ankle injury, he's back like on Instagram, like clearing uh, 12 feet, uh, like jumping to 12 feet on the, on the vertical. Um, he and his trainer have been like posting clips. Like they've been working on like him exploding off of one foot and like his in-between game, like coming off triple handoffs and making shots. Um, he was always, I think, uh, because he was like such a rangy guy and he had like good length. He was also he always had the potential to be a very like effective defender. And so like in my mind, like if he just sits in the corner and like makes open corner threes and like back cuts occasionally from like a, for like an Andre pass for like a dunk, and then like defends competently like that's exactly what the pistons need like stanley johnson hasn't done yeah. that right so like what they tried to make stanley johnson but exactly what he couldn't be exactly yeah. but like that's stanley not jo- that, that's not who stanley johnson is it's like stop trying to make no. Stanley something he's not i think that stanley johnson is a better defender 
I think Stanley yeah, Johnson is a really good defender. No, I think so. But, but I think that uh, that uh, Glenn Robinson is a lot more balanced. So not as good defensively, but much better offensively. Yeah. Um, so and so I think that it's good to have that. Yeah, and so like and Stanley is at his best again, like when the ball's in his hands. You like when his best games, like you watch his highlights, like the game against Cleveland, right? Like he's downhill in transition, like attacking their small bigs and like just finishing at the glass. Um, the game against Milwaukee, where he's just like attacking against uh, attacking them in transition and finishing. The games against Brooklyn, same thing. He's attacking in transition, so he's at the best. Excuse me. He's at the he's at his best when he's playing fast and when the ball is in his hands. Um, the Pistons don't play very fast with the starting lineup because Reggie Jackson doesn't really love to run, and uh, I think you'll see Blake Griffin like running a little bit, but like then Blake is running with the ball in his hands, not Stanley. And like when you slow the game down and like put him in the half court, Stanley's just like not a threat offensively. He can't use his left hand at all. Uh, he's not a very explosive <laughs> leaper off of one foot. And so you'll see like this, he's like this big burly guy and you'll see him like get to the rim and try like these crafty, like off hand, like wrong foot finishes because he can't like jump. <laughs> and it's like so weird. And like he, he evolved and got like a little bit better as like an off ball cutter last season. But a lot of that was a lot of that space was like occupied by Reggie Bullock and like Luke Kennard, who are just who have been doing that stuff more uh, longer than the, than him in their careers, and in, as such are like better at it. And so like Stanley honestly just like needs to play with the bench lineups and like have the ball in his hands a ton and like just try and uh, and like play downhill with with bench lineups like him and Ish just like playing in transition and like flying up and down the court. That's where I think Stanley should show success. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, just being fully honest, I feel like I spend all my day just putting Reggie Jackson and Stanley Johnson in the ESPN trade machine and looking <laughs> through, like, all 29 teams. Like, there's something here, right? Yeah, Come yeah. on. I've, take I've, Someone will take this. I've definitely, <laughs> like, fake traded Reggie, like, a whole bunch of times. Um, Every Stanley... time, like, J- Jimmy Butler comes up and I'm like, they oh yeah, use, no, that's, they could use that's Stanley Johnson. No, I know, but like, like every name that gets brought up, it's like this guy wants out, and I'm like, that's crazy because the thing Stanley Johnson would be awesome in your lineup. Yeah, exactly. But the thing that kills me, right, is that like this would be the perfect like Stan Van Gundy like last uh, gasp is like Stanley has another rough year. Like they don't bring him back in restricted free agency, and they like let him or they trade him at the deadline. Like try and like give him just like a fresh start someplace. And then, like, he goes to, like, I don't know, like, New Orleans or somebody that plays fast and just, like, breaks out as an offensive player and a defender. It's just, like, Stan Van Gundy's, like, final, like, ha-ha, like, screw you. Like, I broke this kid down and he needed to leave in order to find success. It's like he's, he's Spencer Dinwiddie, Stan, uh, Stanley Johnson, right? Like, it's just, like, ugh. That, yeah. that would just turns into me. Turns into, like, OG Ananobi somewhere else. Exactly, right? Like, And, and that's, like, like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And but, I feel like that's who he could be. Like he reminds me of OG a little bit defensively. Like well, but he could OG is like already a better like spot shooter than he is. Oh, that's right? what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like absolutely, for sure. But like defensively, he's like that. But then you get to the offensive side, and you're like, eh, yeah. Okay. And so like just the the level of balance and like the level of like the level of above average productivity at like uh, 
really good efficiency is just like why I think Glenn Robinson should just start. And I've been a huge fan of Glenn and his game ever since I like took a harder look at him. But, uh, and for that, like I'm blocked, Stanley has blocked me on Twitter. So like, Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So good. Like, I can't even, I can't even like, if he, if he breaks all my expectations, I can't even like let him know, like I'm, I'm apologizing. Cause like if he did, I'd let him know. I would be the first person to be like, yo, I messed up. Like, I'm so happy you're good at basketball. Like, thank God. But, like, until you show me that, like, I don't know what to say, man. Like, he just has not been as, as – he has not been what the Pistons wanted, like, when they took him eighth overall. Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Is this the last year of his contract? Mm, I think you know, he's got um, – his RFA year is next year, so they can offer him gotcha. the qualifying offer and then match anything in a restricted free agency. But – how do you, uh, how do you see that playing out? I think if like honestly like I think that uh, if he just like comes out this year and is like not good offensively and is the player he was last year basically, I think they trade him. I think they move on from him, not because like Casey doesn't love him or not because like the front office doesn't value him, but because like it might just be that's what's best for him and the team is to just like take a chance on another young wing and like flip flip two of them um like justice winslow i think is a better player than him but like you could flip him for like a justice winslow you could flip him for like that is a great comp yeah you could flip him for like uh jeremy lamb or like a miles bridges i'm trying i'm thinking of like other wing no way, players no way someone like, would give up miles bridges for him I well I th- only because like miles is a rookie right like that's fair yeah. okay yeah if and you're if you're trying to win yeah, now yeah you're ex- exactly you could flip him for like like he makes less money than like a tj warren but like tj warren would probably be like a better player in detroit than stanley would be um who else is like bad in, oh denver like denver would kill to have Stanley Johnson. I don't know. I don't know what you could get from Denver because the, all of their pieces are like pretty well solid and Stanley doesn't make that much money, but like Denver would kill to have Stanley Johnson. New Orleans would kill to have a wing player like Stanley Johnson on their roster. Um, Minnesota, after they trade Jimmy Butler would, depending on what the return is, would kill to have a guy like Stanley Johnson on their roster. And so like, you can find some place to trade Stanley and get some value for him. But like, if he, if he doesn't break out, out offensively, I don't know if he's on this team at the, uh, at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, just, I just pulled up their spot track just to check some contracts and we are still paying Josh Smith. Five point yep. three million dollars. I'm, I'm gonna throw a party in what is it? Twenty one, two thousand twenty one. Throw a party. That's basically that's basically the mid level. Like right, like Josh Smith is eating the mid level every single year uh, until like two thousand twenty one. That's ins- uh, that's insanity. Yes. Yeah, that's actually heartbreaking. That he's making more than Glenn Robinson the third. <laughs> so. Yep. That feels. That he was, feels he was making good. more than like Stan. He was making more than uh, Marcus Morris, if I remember correctly, when when Marcus played here. Oh, so it was like they were they were playing they were paying Marcus Morris less to start than they were playing uh, Josh Smith to like go home. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't play. Please. <laughs> right. I'm I'm asking you. All right, my man. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up uh, shortly. I would like to get your prediction for next year. Um, I believe Westgate has them at – they were 39 and 43 last year. I think Westgate has them at 37 wins this year. But I think that's good enough for the eight seed as far as, like, Vegas' prediction. And I know Vegas isn't, like, necessarily predicting. They're kind of right. setting, like, money lines for yeah, betting. Yeah. 
Um, like the Knicks are not you, winning like 29 games, but they're over under. Is that like 29? Right, because people know, like they know that people will put money on the Knicks. Yeah, so exactly. like again, I I understand they're not necessarily predicting wins, but I'm gonna ask you to predict wins. <laughs> All uh, right. Last last year, 39 wins. Uh, 2018, this year, how many wins? So and what and what seed? So I'm much, much dumber than all the people who do this for a living and make a ton of money doing it in Vegas. So I'm going to say over. I think the Pistons win. After looking at the schedule, um, trying to factor in neither of Reggie Jackson or Blake Griffin playing more than 75 games, I think is fair. Um, And probably no less than like 65 games. Yeah. Um, I have the Pistons winning 43 games. So flip the record from last year. I think they go 43 and 39. Um, I think that's that's absolutely good enough for the eight seed. I think that might be good enough for the seven seed uh, if everything goes uh, well in the Eastern Conference. And uh, depending on who they match up with, I think they have an outside shot at advancing uh, past the first round of the playoffs. Really? Who? So I have them as a seven seed. Um, I think they're more talented than Miami. I'm saying this right now. Jimmy Butler is not on Miami. Um, Miami is the same busted roster they put out last year. I just don't see like talent on Miami. Maybe people don't see talent on Detroit. Yeah. I just like don't <laughs> I don't like Miami's team. Miami um, doesn't have any like high level talent, right? They have that's a what lot I'm saying. of like base Tyler level. Johnson. I'm like I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm, Swiping left on Tyler Johnson. Swiping <laughs> left on Hassan Whiteside. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think they're going to be better than the Heat. I don't think the Cavs are going to make it back. Yeah. So that would put them at the seventh seed. Yeah. I would have them against probably Toronto. Um, some people might say the Sixers. I would have them against Toronto with Boston as a one seed. Um, and I don't like them against Toronto. So who, I, could, who could they have a chance against? You said they so, could have a chance in the first so round. So if, if they are perfectly healthy and if they have, like, a better season than I expect and get to, like, the, the sixth seed, um, and, and I'm a huge fan of Indiana and what Indiana has done uh, this past offseason, and I, I have Indiana winning 50 games. And so I think that if the Pistons played the Pacers in, like, the 3-6, I think they would have, like, definitely a shot at that matchup. Um, Indiana has no one on the roster who can stop Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin. Um, and they did a really good job of defending Victor Oladipo as a team last year when they won three out of four games they played against the Pacers. Um, I think the Pistons also have a outside shot against like a Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee, I don't know if Milwaukee like gets to like a 50 win place. I don't know if they like end up in like the two seed or whatever. Maybe Giannis has like a, a crazy year and, and something like that happens. But uh, again, excuse me. Uh, again, Milwaukee does not have anybody who can handle Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond, and so I think those those matchups would prove problematic for them in a playoff. On maker. Well, I mean, or or <laughs> you kidding. end up in a place where like Giannis <laughs> is guarding Blake, which is like not the best use of Giannis's skills, right? Like Giannis is a right. big dude. He's a tough dude. But, like, if you make him post up against Blake 15 times a game, like, that's not using him at his best defensively. And, like, Milwaukee has always been, like, a really bad rebounding team. I think Andre would kill them on the offensive glass in the playoff setting. Um, Chris, like, Eric Bledsoe and and Chris Middleton are good players, but they don't, like, quote, unquote, scare me in, in a playoff setting. 
and so like yeah, I think there's there's an outside chance against those two teams. But if they were like if everything plays out like everyone thinks it does, and they're like the the seven or eight seed in Boston or Toronto or the, are the one and two, like yeah, they're probably not winning those series. They would be. Uh, I would I would if they end up like facing like Boston or Toronto, I like just get it to like six games. Like just get it to six games. I want at least one playoff victory, please. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to? Uh... Have you been to the new Little Caesars? Yeah, yeah, I've been to. I went to actually the first game that they had at LCA against the Hornets in the regular season. Nice. What do you think that of was, it? That was a lot of fun. LCA is really dope. Um, the the concourse is uh, amazing. It's so good to have the Pistons be like in downtown Detroit, like walking distance from like actual stuff. They have bars and stuff inside the uh, inside the arena, obviously, but like you could just like Uber from the pistons to like slows or you could like uber to oh, like shillelaghs or something right like it's just slows it's, slows is like all i think about like living because <laughs> i live in cincinnati right now yeah and i just think about slows oh man That's yeah it. you're you're hurting right now <laughs> i'm like ch- i'm like chasing their barbecue sauces like I, I went to the store the other day and bought some like apple barbecue sauce just like you know i mean i'm just trying to like get my fridge to be like their selection of four barbecue sauces and yeah <sighs> That's a dream of slows. But yeah. But yeah, so yeah, anyone no, that LCA, doesn't live yeah. anyone that doesn't like live um in Michigan, if you're living like somewhere near it and you're like maybe a Bulls fan or a Pacers fan or a Cleveland fan, um where where Little Caesars Arena is is a cool area in Detroit. Um it's not like the burnt down neighborhoods. It's like right next to where the Tigers play, where the Lions play. Um that is kind of like the entertainment district of Detroit. Yeah, mid, so. in Midtown out is like they've they've done a good job of building up uh, like that commercial area for uh, people to like go downtown and have a good time. And so like yeah, yeah absolutely. LCA is LCA is really cool. Have you been? I haven't yet. I almost Ooh. went to uh, Hell in a Cell there to watch oh, them wrestling. Oh, that would have been sick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm actually a pretty big wrestling fan too. So. Uh, almost checked that out, but I haven't been yet. I plan on going this year. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure any game would be enjoyable. Now there's like no team in the league that you d- wouldn't want to see. I'll yeah. probably like skip like the Nets or the Heat, uh, as I've already said. But um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be I always try and go to one. Like I also don't live in Michigan anymore. So, but I, my family still does. So, like, we go back for the holidays and everything. So I always like hope they have a home game around like Christmas that I can go to. Or like in December that I that I can go to around that time, and they do this year. They they play oh, nice. the Hawks on like the twenty third, and like they'll probably oh. win that game. And like tickets go. will be dirt cheap because no one else wants to like yeah. watch the Hawks. And so like I'll probably go with like my father and my stepdad and be like, "Yo, like this is this is a great time. Like let's do this." Nice. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to head out to some games. It'll it'll be fun. Um, all right, man, I would like to give you a chance to kind of shout yourself out again. Uh, shout out your Twitter handle, the website, um, just anything you kind of want to plug. The yeah, floor thanks, is yours. Man. So yeah. uh, you can follow me on Twitter at LazChance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You should obviously subscribe to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Uh, wherever fine podcasts are available, Stitcher, uh, Apple uh, I don't. We're not on uh, Spotify because like the standards to get on Spotify are super stringent for some unknown reason. 
But uh, yeah, if you search the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, you can find us. Um, obviously, you should visit DetroitBadBoys.com. Um, what we have up on the site, like literally right now, are like some Jimmy Butler trade discussion pieces. Um, there's a there's a piece about Andre shooting threes that has like they got like 200 comments, like faster than anything has in like a month because people are, are willing to fight about that. Um, we have some like fun analysis of, of Dwayne Casey and like what the things that he said and, and uh, the things that he did as a coach of Toronto. And so uh, like, yeah, you get a little bit of everything at Detroit Bad Boys and, and that's why I love it. So yeah, check, check out those three things. Uh, me, the podcast I host and, and the website I host the podcast on. Right on. I, uh, I know I'll be checking them out. I'm in my Detroit Pistons sweats right now. Um, and I know I'm probably going to read up some articles now as just a straight up fan uh, and not kind of having to do homework. So I'm going to be looking yeah. forward to it. It's really funny. The, the guy I normally do the podcast with, um, he he's a football coach for like a high school team, so he couldn't make it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his name's Ben, but he's a Pacers fan. So we almost called our podcast the Malice at the Podcast, um, <laughs> Pacers and Pistons, um, and I like yeah. I I feel like you could appreciate that. Um, yeah, I just didn't know if people would know how to spell Malice because it's not used in daily conversations. So we we didn't go with Malice at the Podcast, yeah. but I just wanted to be out there because it's really good. Okay, the it's very good, and like- people need to appreciate it. If if you named your podcast like Malice at the Podcast, like I think people would get it, but like you guys would have to like really scrap it out all the time, like over the yeah, Pistons oh, yeah. and Pacers. Right. Yeah. And like and like there's not a huge like just I mean like we're we're trying to cover like the whole NBA, you know what I mean? Right, right. So like right. people that are coming to us for like all NBA stuff probably aren't like, oh cool, time for like the Pistons Pacers like duke it out set like segment of yeah, the podcast exa- exactly <laughs> <laughs> but i just wanted to be known that it was a really good name and good idea. i figured you'd appreciate it yeah yeah cool man well i appreciate your time uh i'm sure i'll be tweeting at you as the season goes and uh yeah i'm looking forward to to keeping up with detroit bad boys man thanks man and uh thanks for having me on i, I really appreciate it yeah of course man take care you too